the night we want to deal with the enemies of finances. The enemies of finances. I was, I used to think that you just pay your tithe and sow seeds and uh, do all the things that we should do and then things happen. I was shocked to find out that it's not so. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 6, verse 10, Deuteronomy 6. Money is warfare. Having money is warfare. Not having money is warfare. God wants us to have money. Have finances, the enemy doesn't want us to have finances. And the area of warfare or the basis of warfare is that if we have as much money as we should, then we will be able to do many things and much for our families, for our loved ones, and for the kingdom of God. And of course, the enemy is not going to fold his hands and let that happen. But the devil is a liar and he is defeated in Jesus' name. Deuteronomy 6, verse 10. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things, which thou fillest not, and wells digs which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. It is God's plan that his people should not build but have free houses. He said to give you great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. That's God's plan. Give us free cities full of good things. Houses, plural, full of all good things which thou fillest not. In other words... Houses that you didn't fill with good things. Wells, dig, you didn't dig them. Vineyards and olive trees, which you didn't plant. And God's plan is that we should, be, we should eat and be full. That's his plan. I didn't know this when I first got born again. When I got saved, they told us that uh, poverty was a mark of holiness. And so it's difficult for me to understand because uh, I wasn't poor. I didn't come from a poor home. Now they're telling us that poverty was a sign of holiness. So I was very concerned that we were all sinners by just being comfortable. So I was also taught that business, making money was very, very 
demonic. So I hated business and hated anything that uh, I just plunged. In fact, um, if you didn't leave everything you were doing and working for God, then you were a sinner. We still had members who were bankers and rich people. I was confused as to how these rich people had more voice and authority in the church when they're telling us that it's just, oh well. So this is God's plan that we should have free houses, free vineyards, free wells, free free houses, free cities, free wells, free vineyards and olive trees. And is this plan that we should eat and be full. And then, of course, the danger he's telling us is that it's likely that some people, after they've received all that, will forget God. That is why he changed the plan. It wasn't the plan. Originally, he changed it because he found that there are many of us began to eat and forgot him. So he said, uh-uh, let's modify it and make some changes. So now, it's difficult for many Christians to prosper financially because God can't trust many of us. I've said it, but I didn't quite get it like I got it last week. If you, ha- if you make a million dollars today, in America, if you make more than $100,000 per year, your tax percentage goes up to 35%. Except you now know how to invest this and do this and look for uh, ways to escape. But there's no way you'll not end up paying at least 20% of tax. So by the time you remove 100,000, 100,000 in tithe, 50,000 offering, Tax, <laughs> by the time you're done, you go home with maybe five fifty thousand from a million. So many, many will find it difficult to give a hundred thousand dollars to God. After all, God gave me the money. He doesn't need it. See, we start arguing. It's very difficult to give $100,000 out of a million when you know that you end up with half a million at the end of the day. He, he cannot trust us that if he give us a million, we'll give him 10% tithe. So he now has to work on us to mature us and grow us and teach us and love us it's easy if it's a thousand dollars, five hundred five hundred dollars. It's even even easy if it's fifty thousand, twenty thousand. Oh yeah, you know, 
and they will make everybody know that they gave it. 100,000? What? By the time I finish, I won't be called a millionaire no more. Uh huh. Now you see why God is not prospering Christians. He loves us, He wants to, but we're not. We've not convinced Him because it's difficult. It's not on God's part, it's not the devil. By nature, human beings, it's difficult to just a hundred thousand dollars. Your wife will fight you, your husband will fight you, somebody in your family will say, You crazy? Listen. But at least give something, you know, appreciate God, buy the church a car or give something to the building fund, buy the pastor a nice car for hundred, you know, fifty thousand dollars or something, you know. Give all the dicking and dickinesses a thousand dollars each, you know, this. They will look for ways. I've seen it. Then the heavens that opened up. Freeze, not even close, forever. Because now he's not worthy to be trusted. That's the tragedy of why Christians are poor and broke. One of the reasons, not the only reason. Amen. So, I pray that God will help us. What is the purpose of God's prosperity? It's right there in Genesis 12. Where God told Abraham, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. That is the purpose. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. Genesis 12, yes, verse 2. Praise God. Number one. Drain us. Drainers wait till when the pipe is full and they punch a small hole in the bag and coins fall out gradually, slowly. You will know that there's a hole in the pocket. Oh, I still have it. And then, let me check my bank balance. What? <laughs> Drain us. Number what? 14. Strange money givers. We give you money in the dream. It's a sign. Poverty. That's why, I mean, I had a lady who was so upset with me. Pastor, just agree with me that all this money they gave me last night will manifest. I will not forget you when the money comes. I say, lady, <laughs> it's an attack. I'll bind that. Pastor, you don't know what you're saying. Anyway, the devil, uh, God told me not to tell you that you'll be jealous of my prosperity. I say, lady, you, may you live long. I'm, I live long. You're going to be broker than before. God doesn't give money in the dream. Uh -uh. God gives ideas for money in the dream. God doesn't give cash. Number what? 15. Pocket with holes. Pocket with holes. 
I had a lady who had a bank account in one bank. Money kept disappearing. She opened another bank account, another bank. Money kept disappearing. Uh, it, she, it got her attention. It's possible. Number what? Enchanters. Enchanters. Those are people who now know you and begin to do uh, enchantments, curses. They develop devices to attack you directly. They know who you are. Especially, it comes in the area of people you give money to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The easiest way to enter somebody's finances is for them to give to you. Then that creates a doorway for, the, for you to go back in. Just the same principle. The easiest way for God to enter your finances to bless you is to ask you. So you're opening your hand to him to give to him. He has a reason to now put something in an open hand. So when God wants to give you, he says, give me. In giving to him, your hands are open to receive. Same thing. When the enemy wants to enter your finances, he will say, give to me. And he doesn't ask. He forces his way. So he uses this kind of agents to come across. Number one. Snatchers of breakthroughs. Snatchers of breakthroughs. Hallelujah. Snatchers of breakthroughs. They snatch. Just, they're also called on the verge demons. On the verge on the verge, just on the verge of a breakthrough, boom, they strike. How do they know you're on the verge? They use monitoring spirits, tracking demons to follow you. There was a lady, there is a lady in Maryland. I was there last year. I never knew her, I was ministering. You will remember, I don't know if you remember, you were there. The power of God hit her. She was out of control. Her mother-in-law, who lived in a Latin American country in the Caribbean, called her and said, and asked her, what happened in your church yesterday? So we went for a service. He said, what kind of service? So we went for a prayer meeting. He said, there is a man that came to your church. And described me, what I wore, how I looked, and told her, whatever you do, never, ever come near that man again. <laughs> so I was back there end of, end of uh, February this year. And the protocol who picked me said, Pastor, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but let me whisper this to you because... You know we love you in our church. God has used you to bless us tremendously. There's a lady whose mother-in-law saw you through the mirror and told her never, never, ever to come near you. So I don't know. Well, I'm just telling you. And I'm alerting you because she'll be in tonight's service. When the power hit, my goodness, 
She was out of control. Then the protocol said, <laughs> I said, this protocol is not well trained. You are betraying your church. So I said, huh? Because I was in the spirit. So he brought me back down. I said, huh? He said, oh, praise God. Then everybody saw. I said, uh huh. Then he said, it's a, a useless protocol. <laughs> okay, number one. No, I mean, it was so bad that she went to sit at the back and the pastor's wife went to sit. Nobody could hold her. Three, four, five or six couldn't hold her. Of course, God set her free. I don't know what. I'll soon go back there to find the latest feedback from mother-in-law. But I've seen it again in many places. Never, ever let that man touch you. Never, ever come near that man. There's a church in Houston. Anytime I'm going there, once they announce, certain people travel out of town. Say, that terrible man is coming again. They're going to Florida or somewhere. I mean, leave town. And, I, and I, it bothers me. I mean, what, what for? Am I, nobody ran from Jesus? Am I that terrible? thought I was a nice guy. So I actually even, I make people laugh and I'm very friendly. So why are they running? Am I not friendly? Am I not nice? So why are people running? They don't want to be free, huh? Okay. Thank God it's not me. Number what? Witchcraft. Of course. The purpose of witchcraft is to destroy. Period. Destroy. They don't, uh, you know, steal. Destroy. And number 19, the hand of futility. The hand of futility. That is also called near success syndrome. Near success syndrome. Just nearly making it, but never making it. Number 20, the curse. The curse, that is the one that comes from God himself. There is no prayer that can change that one. God said you are cursed with a curse when you don't tithe. Only him can settle that one. And 21, give you one more to make them, make it, make it 21. The spirit of begging. Polite begging, direct begging, indirect begging, greeting begging, hanging around begging, making a stranger your uncles, fathers, brothers, sisters, uncles, brother. Just because they have some money. 
Oh, have you noticed that every, every president seems to be connected to every president in America? Even Obama, they say he's connected to, I say, huh? From Kenya? They say he's connected to a former vice president who, huh? Through his mother, okay, through the mother to a former vice president who is also connected to the president and this as a spirit of begging. We Christians beg in many ways. I just feel led to sow this seed. In other words, I have only a dollar. I need hundred. So, Multiply it. <laughs> they sow. It's not every sowing that is real sowing. They said to Jesus, Where do you live so that we can come and greet you? <laughs> That's what they said. Then one time they said, Oh, the way this guy made fish and bread so abundant, let's just make him a chief. Our king is begging. So they will make sure they have food. Poverty is not good. It's a very bad thing. I have some scriptures for you. You have to write real fast. This is all of what I spent today researching for your benefit. Psalm 112, verse 1 to 3. Psalm 112, verse 1 to 3. Deuteronomy 8, 18. I would advise that you write each per line so you can make notes beside it. Deuteronomy 8, 18. Proverbs 14, 24. Proverbs 14, 24. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Next line. Psalm 35, 27, Psalm 35, 27, next one, Psalm 23, 1, Psalm 23, 1, and then Psalm 23, 5, next one, Proverbs 10, 22, Proverbs 10, 22, next one, Ecclesiastes 5, 19, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 5.19, Psalm 34, 8 to 10, Psalm 34, 8 to 10, Luke 6.38, Luke 6.38, 3 John 3.2, 3 John 3.2, John 16.23, John 16.23, Galatians 3.14, Galatians 3.14, Mark 11.24, Mark 11.24, Psalm 37.4, Psalm 37.4, Psalm 37.4, and 18 to 19, Psalm 37, verses 4, comma, 18 to 19. So you read some verse 4, and then you skip down to 18 and 19. Proverbs 13, 22. 
Proverbs 13, 22. Psalm 1, verse 3. Psalm 1, verse 3. Galatians 6, 9. Galatians 6, 9. And finally, Philippians 4, verse 19. With those weapons, you're guaranteed constant and 100% victory over the spirit of poverty and the enemies of finances in Jesus' name. All right, shall we stand? Give the Lord a big hand clap. Let's go to prayer.